Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Hello, welcome. Thanks for joining us for season six of Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Chris. And I'm Dr. Lauren. We are continuing our conversation this season on relationship anarchy. If you are new to the relationship anarchy, please hop back to season five, where we introduce and discuss the nine principles of relationship anarchy by Andy Nordgren. And so this season, we're trying to do a bit more application, maybe is yeah. the word? Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing. Practical. <laughs> yeah. Get, out, get out of our heads. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for this first episode, and folks who listened to last season, they might remember that in the first principle, we started by talking about our friendship. And so we thought it might be nice to start season six uh, with reflecting on how do we see some of the principles of relationship anarchy showing up in the ways we maintain, sustain, nourish our deep friendship. Yeah. Um, and to some extent, we thought this was important to do because it's really easy and we sometimes do it too to slip into talking uh, almost more like we're talking about non-monogamy to really focus on those romantic and sexual relationships but really and truly relationship anarchy is all about the multiple kinds of relationships all the relationships and not over prioritizing one over the other one over the other yeah that was exactly what i was going to say too right because it, it is we want to remember that relationship anarchy is not just about yeah, people you have sex with, people you might be in romantic relationships with, but that relationship anarchy is a principle that crosses all sorts of ties. Yeah, which is a gift and challenging in our existing culture. So we hope starting with friendships and deep friendships and loving friendships will help other folks connect to these ideas. Because um, we hope everyone listening has some deep friendships that they love. Yeah. And so we thought it might be helpful just briefly, and I'm totally going to watch the clock as we do this, <laughs> to briefly share a little bit more about how we know each other and how this tie came to be what it is. Um, so I'll maybe start just a little bit, and then I'll shift over to you and see what you want to chime in with as we okay. continue our journey together. Sure. So I, I found Chris while I was working at a university that Chris was also working at, and I had been an ass assigned to teach an undergraduate human sexuality course that I had never taught before. And so my first step was to um, go to the Google and look for a person at the university who had already taught human sexuality and just to kind of pick their brain about what any advice they would have for me. And so I messaged Chris and Chris graciously invited me uh, to come to their office, at which point when I walked in, I saw the most amazing view of a mountain in the distance and this really rad office with hockey things and other sex things. And I was like, who is this human? <laughs> and so that, that was, was the of... nicest office ever. I'm never going to get a nicer office. Yeah. I had this view of, yeah, some mountains and it was lovely scenery and I, yeah, I'm not going to ever like... have an office like that again. <laughs> and you were like in the tallest building anywhere near there too. So there was mm -hmm. no, I mean, it was just this clear view. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess I'll add just a little bit more. I would say our tie continued from um, 
talking about work stuff to then talking about relationships and finding our way currently in our lives in the city we were living in. And I don't know if you want to jump in, Chris. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of, it's so funny because what year was that? Because it was a long enough time ago that I'm I like... 14 years ago, maybe? No, yeah, maybe, okay. a little, maybe a little less, but something like that. Yeah. Well, so 12 or 13. I, yeah, well, it's, yeah, because it was before that I took off to go overseas. Yeah. And that's the part of that I do know. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like, I just love talking about, you know, human sexuality stuff and was really excited when, when you wanted to come talk more because it is, it's like finding, it's like, yeah, my humans, like, these are the people who care about the same things I do. And, and also like, you're just, your passion for teaching and really caring about students too, was really shining through as well, which is another value I have. So yeah, I knew there was a lot of shared commonalities, you mm -hmm. know, beyond just the, just the subject that we were, that we had going to teach. Taught. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would say over time, the way the relationship grew, we would get together and, you know, have a drink or two uh, and and chat about our lives. And we ended up both going through a breakup with some long term relationships almost at the precise same time. I think mm -hmm. our breakups happened within like a month, month of each other. And these were very long, long relationships, people we were living with the whole nine yards. And we were both in monogamous relationships at the time, too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so there was a lot of emotional sharing and just reconstructing what does it mean to be alive? <laughs> um, so that's some of what I remember. And then from there, I mean, I only had a short appointment in that city. So from there, I moved two hours away time zone wise. Uh, and we just, my memory is we stayed in contact, like having phone calls and stuff on occasion. And I think we were... Yeah texting back then and stuff regularly. I'm not even sure how much texting yeah. was happening. I mean, there was definitely a lot of that going on. And also I did take off for like two years and like I was saying, lived overseas. So there wasn't as much uh, direct communication happening too, because now we're talking, you know, hours and hours of difference. I think maybe there was more emails, but we never lost touch, but really for sure over the years we have like you're sort of saying, we've lived in different countries, we've lived in different states, we've lived, you know, like, so there, there's been times naturally where we've been in very close contact with each other, um, physically also in terms of the amount of communication, but then there's definitely been gaps where we were less connected because of distance and life circumstances and things like that. For sure. And what's interesting about our friendship over time, too, is we weren't only being friends to each other. We also did continue to collaborate on projects like mm -hmm. Chris wrote a really awesome book and I, you know, supported uh, supported um, emotionally, I guess, but yeah. also brought it connected you with a student and we could brainstorm things, a student who did some artwork for the book um, and some other kinds of support things. So we were kind of collaborating to support one of your projects. You also shared some cool data that we were able to write a paper on. And so we had to learn then how do we work together with analyzing and co-writing and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of different ways we could see how do we overlap and make sense together. Yeah. And now we are going on, you know, over a decade of friendship. So many moves, so many life changes. And in that, we've had to deploy a lot of processes to stay 
in connection, in community, and continue to support each other as our lives changed. And so I think this is where, unless you have anything else you want to add about our history, I think this is where I would suggest we switch gears and start talking about the principles. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think that's a good summary of just where, yeah, where we've, where we've gone that it, you know, on some level it was a, it started out as and has continued to be a professional relationship in many ways, but it is of course way, way more than that as well. Absolutely. And also, I guess one of the other things too is, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like we, you know, you are, you know, and continue to be one of the first people that I, I talk to about not just the intellectual stuff, but the emotional stuff as well. So. Uh, yes, I completely agreed. Yeah. Um, all the, all the feels, yeah. all the, all the brilliant insights, you know, being people who can sort of challenge each other and question and getting to the place where you can do that with someone is not simple. No. So I'm curious, Chris. So our, our plan for today was that we were going to start by just sharing what what principle do we think of most? What what of the relationship anarchy principles when we think of our tie? What principles have been most important um, or are reflected the most in our relationship? It's sort of funny because I now that we just narrated our like you know our story together so far, I'm like oh maybe I'll change, but I won't. I'm not going to change <laughs> what I was thinking of to come to to this this conversation. Um, the one thing that I was thinking of is the first principle we talk about in season five, which is love is abundant and every relationship is unique because I, <laughs> I think our relationship is super unique again, because we are across the intellectual, the emotional, like the, the shared understandings that we have and, and all of that. But I think beyond that, it's because I really see you as somebody who has a lot of love and care for so many people and the fact that you know, I fit into it in this way is, is really, it's fun. I, I, I love that fact and things like that. So it's sort of like where our relationship fits into this because we will have, you know, we've gone through sexual partners and romantic partners. Um, and, and yet our love for each other and the ways that we interact, I think don't really, I haven't really noticed like ebbs in those in the relationship based on what sorts of other ties we have and so yeah. i think it really just embodies this idea of love being abundant and our tie mm -hmm. can stay strong despite what else is is happening in our world and i think i would add i mean i love that you started there uh and i would add on to the other part of the principle is that every relationship is unique too and so yeah. i think yeah. there's a way that you know, I don't have any other friendships that are like our friendship. And there are the very specific things that are so cherishable in the ways we can relate and open each other's worlds, honestly, you know, and that uniqueness is super um, nourishing and fulfilling and wonderful. I mean, geez, when you went and were living all over the world and in, you know, countries I might be a little afraid to go to or have no idea how to do it. And I'm getting to learn from your lived experience and just being deeply inspired and in awe. I mean, that's so remarkable and special. Um, yeah, I definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Go it's ahead. Just, it's, well, I guess it's because I think a lot of people will talk about and, uh, you know, mention things that are like, oh, I used to be really close to this one person, but then they got 
you know, a significant other and now I don't, I rarely see them anymore or we barely talk anymore or they just seem to disappear. Yeah. And I don't want to under, um, underplay the ideas of like new relationship energy and where, you know, there's even actual brain biochemical processes that cause people to become very infatuated and fixated on a person when they're new in a person's life. And so those things are real and I believe in brain science. So yes, Um, (laughs) but this idea of how you can maintain ties even under, even when there's also really new relationship energy or just because there's another person in your life that means a lot to you doesn't mean that the other people sort of go away, right? And I think that's the other piece that I think is really important to talk about in the same ways that a lot of people, because a lot of people don't do it that way, right? Like they sort of have a bestie until X comes along. Right, and I think one of the, so we manage to live in very different places And so I've watched you, you know, form new relationships around activities that I don't do and blah, blah, blah. And it would be easy in some contexts to feel like I'm missing out or like I'm being worried I'm losing my friend. And I think, again, because we've been doing this for so long and continue to show up, that really changes the whole dynamic, right? I just, I feel like we were instinctively doing relationship anarchy together, even if we didn't have the words yet, Mm -hmm. where we... Um, and I guess I'm going to now introduce, not to turn away from your val- your principle, but I'm going to also yeah. um, bring in one of mine that I was really interested in, in talking about is, and, and actually it sort of threads two together, so forgive me, but it's this idea of communication and customizing our commitments. Because yeah. over the years, you know, when stuff has gone in particular ways for either one of us, or when you, like you mentioned, being out of the country and we couldn't communicate in the same ways, um, or the windows where we are in the same place or the same time zone, (laughs) how that can make things easier. There's so much that shifts in our lives. And I think we do, one of the things that really sustains our friendship is the willingness to kind of have check-ins and talk to each other about how are you feeling in terms of how I'm showing up. I don't have, like if one of us doesn't have a ton of availability, but some, the other one is going through something, I feel like we do a good job of saying, hey, it would really mean a lot to me if I heard from you every morning or if um, we could check in once a week or, you know, just sending like a note every morning or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, we've definitely done those kinds of things where it's just like, I, you know, I don't have a lot on my plate or, I mean, the other thing, (laughs) I have a lot on my plate or I'm like going through a lot of stuff, but I, you know, I just want you to know I still love you or I still care about you. Um, I just don't have a lot of time right now because again, like love is abundant. Time is a limited resource. Um, And again, right. Being really clear about those communication pieces uh, and then also allowing ourselves space. I mean, we've stepped on each other's feelings before for sure. And it's going to happen again um, because we care enough and because we share stuff and sometimes it gets hard. Um, And so yeah, I mean, I think that communication is, you know, changing through communication mm-hmm. uh, can mean big changes, but it can also mean those little changes from, you know, the, the so for temporary circumstances and things like that, too. And I think, you know, um, in the 
principal, Andy says, communicate in a context of trust. And I think that's what's so key is mm -hmm. I infinitely trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my kid's life. I trust, yeah. you know, I trust in our love and our ability to keep communicating, even when it's hard, right? We have those yeah. moments sometimes where it's like, okay, I need to take a break from this conversation. And those, you know, in any kind of relationship, those can be hard. And I, again, this, if we allow ourselves to recognize our friendships as just as important, just as pivotal, and just as worth putting effort into, you're both going to experience some of the tensions and experiences you might think you're only gonna have with a dating partner or a nesting partner or whatever, right? Those um, sexual and romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. But if we nourish a long-term friendship from a place of deep trust, deep sharing and high value, we have to be also prepared to walk through those things together and have that anchor and continuous revisiting of trust and how we show yeah. up. Yeah, and I mean, even we were having a conversation before we started podcasting about something else and you know i i agree that this the trust and again trust takes time right like this whole thing so it's not like oh you're automatically going to trust somebody but i trusted you enough to when you were talking about something for me to say i'm lost now like i don't i don't understand <laughs> anymore I'm like like we're i'm following the conversation and then you said something and i'm like uh-oh i'm not following the conversation anymore right so instead of pretending that yeah. I knew exactly what was going on. Like I, I trusted and felt secure enough. But again, I probably that probably wouldn't have happened in whatever the first conversation we ever had. Absolutely right? not. Like it, yeah, it takes time to to build these, and so just knowing how much friendships can can really support and right, we can we can talk about all the science of the importance of deep friendship too. You know, like yeah. that it's not just with this, you know, a one key sexual and or romantic partner that like having a network of friends is also exceedingly important for well-being and low blood pressure and all those other good things. Yeah. Like, you know, legit good for our biology friends. Yeah. Um, and that those are things you can sustain. You don't have to be in person with folks. You can yeah. sustain these things at a distance and you can define what that looks like. Sometimes we'll go for weeks where we're mostly texting and then we'll have a five-hour conversation unintentionally um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that that's gonna look happened. yeah and that's gonna look different for different people different communication styles all that good stuff but i i just i almost feel like i can look to our relationship as a model for a lot of my other relationships of we have gone through so much together and mm -hmm. shown up for each other in really complicated ways. It wasn't simple. We weren't just living in the same place and able to pop over and have a meal or something. We had to having that privilege of in-person co-regulation or with the ease of, I'm just gonna pop over to Chris's, you know, like we can't do that. And so we have to choose each other and continue to work that way. And that feels really significant and important. Um, yeah. yeah. No, and I think that's really important to bring out because again, it's not, it's not easy. Um, us humans have been conditioned to live, you know, very busy lives always and to find those moments and time to, but it doesn't take a lot, like you're sort of saying at the same time. Yes, sometimes it, it is a long time that we will be in communication like in one go, like with, you know, several hours together, or when we 
you know, with season five and we went, you know, away for a weekend together and did a retreat kind of idea, you know, that, that, you know, there's those times. And then also sometimes it's, even if it's not every day, sometimes it's only, you know, if you tallied up all the minutes, you know, there, there could be a week where we're only in touch for like, you know, five minutes or something. And, and, and I also, I mean, but that said, like we are, we do take up a lot of each other's time, right? If you add mm-hmm. it up. And yeah. I also have friends that I really feel connected to uh, that at one point we were, um, you know, spent a lot of time together and we can go years without yeah. talking, right? And and yet when that person calls me or sends me a text and says, oh, this reminded me of you or something like that, right? Like it's very, there's still that, point of connection so it's yes we're talking about oh it doesn't always take time and I also want to recognize that our friendship does have a lot of time attached to it yeah Um, well also because we do a lot of projects together too but like there's that but it doesn't necessarily have to be that to have a, a real tie with somebody as well and I think that's what's beautiful about the first value you pulled in of, you know, love is abundant and each relationship is unique. So what it takes, what kind of communication, what kinds of ways we show up, it's going to look really different in different relationships. Yeah. And I love that you brought in the idea that you can get, you know, one message. I thought of you when I saw this and it's like it transports you in time or floods you with good feels because you're like, yeah. oh, both you were thinking of me and I know why you saw that and thought of me. And yeah. those kinds of. Yeah, those moments of, of recall can be so beautiful. And so again, some deep friendships will function that way. Our friendship functions a little differently than that, I think. Although we also do that. Like I have something I want to mail to you that made me thought of you. And it's like sitting by my door. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's really funny because I went to the post office today to mail you something. So ha. Oh my gosh. take wow. that. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Or ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah so like yeah this one friend i'm thinking of i think we went we easily went 10 years without talking and we were also really close friends when we were like like little kids as well as this so we had there was this foundation but we've gone through these times where we've been apart for forever uh and not in communication at all and we haven't lived in the same time zone for well, I guess maybe now we live in the t- same time zone, but now not in the same country. So whatever. We haven't lived close to each other in, you know, in whatever, decades, decades. And it's still, uh, there's still an ease to the conversations we have. They're different conversations that we had than when we were kids because, well, we're adults now and we just have a different type of shared relationship and it is a kind of relationship that's still very deep and very meaningful. And we will have very emotional conversations. Um, this person lost both their parents um, not that long ago. And so um, being able to share memories and share times together and feel really close that way, even though there wasn't a lot of connection for a while in between. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of what feels so important about really emphasizing how we build these deep friendship ties, there's nothing wrong with having lots of people you like casually hang out with or have an activity that you do together. Like, you know, you have a karaoke family and Mm -hmm. some people are like less of a close tie in your karaoke family versus the folks you're super tight with and do other things with. Those relationships matter. 
And I think when we think of, you know, I use the word constellation. When yeah. we think of who's in our constellation and how we negotiate those ties, that extra, uh, that those extra conversations, those extra efforts to check in and make sure we're showing up for each other in the way we need to or want to in those ties mm -hmm. and to nurture those ties, this sets us up for way more care and support. I mean, as we age, as we go through crisis, you know, there's so many things that happen throughout our life courses and especially as we age. And so I feel more secure in the world being in my 40s with you in my life. Even if we're not in the same time zone, I just know I am I am not to be dramatic, but I'm safer in this world because of our friendship. And I think for some folks, they only assign that kind of safety with a, a dating or married partner. And I feel so lucky that I'm not limited by that. And that's one of the great strengths, I think, of relationship anarchy. Well, thank you for that. Oh. And I, I mean, and I, I know, I remember this, this story with my, my parents where uh, we were, whatever, I'm in high school at this point, And I remember this very vivid memory of my, of family friend coming over to my parents' house and just collapsing in grief because his wife had just died and he realized he didn't want to be alone. And he came straight to my parents' house mm. when, because he was at the hospital when his wife passed. And so, and I remember thinking to myself as a kid, so I was lucky to have parents that modeled friendship really well. Mm. Like the, the concepts of showing up for friends and that friends felt safe showing up as, you know, for each other. And I know some people will get that in their family ties. We have, I have a very small family, so there's not as much of that happening. And this person also their family did not live in the United States and my family's families didn't live in the United States. So like maybe that was part of the reason where the friendship focus came, um, came to be. But I do remember like, like you're saying, like this person felt safe enough to come to our house when this horrible event had happened. Mm -hmm. And I was there at the top of the stairs witnessing like, Oh, this is what friends do for each other. This is how, this is how, friends treat each other and this is what friends are for I mean in, in terms of and also with laughs and stuff we can get great times with these people so it's not all the serious stuff but yeah you show up for people and you're there for people I wonder if there's something I mean that's beautiful I got a little choked up as you were describing that it's so nice to have those things we can look to and say you know what my family did right by me on that um yeah, that's really yeah. beautiful and I wonder, because as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, my mom and her friends were actually featured in a not so small newspaper what? for the kinds of bonds they had created over decades. They all they met through like a mom group um, when their kids were born and they stayed tight and they're all still tight and they're in their 70s now. Um, and so a newspaper actually ran a little article about what does friendship mean? And they were all interviewed to talk about how they supported each other, what friendship meant, all these, I don't know, it was really lovely. Um, my dad laminated it for my mom, it's very cute. Uh, and I, I mean, I got to witness that, like you're saying, and I wonder, and they, you know, their commitment to each other, there's many, but one of them is they would always go on a getaway together every year. They'd plan this best friends trip. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it just makes me think like, wow, that 
also was role modeled for me. It's not something I always recognize, but I wonder if that's also what helps us be drawn to this kind of a model. Like, of course, our friendships are so important and pair yeah. that with having had some really toxic dating relationships and romantic relationships. I mean, yeah, I of course want to turn harder toward my friendships um, in that context and can see the deep value in not putting all my emphasis on just one kind of relationship. Um, yeah. Or oh. on one person. Oh my and gosh, we, yes. We did talk about that in, you know, in season five, that it's it's too much pressure to ha to give one person all your attention, all like get all your needs met from that one yep. person. Yeah. Because, well, that person might not be around forever. Well, no one's around forever, so they're not going to be around forever, um, <laughs> like by definition. But, and also they're, you know, like you want to be able to draw from a network of people that can lift you up and that can support you and you can share good stuff with and, and all those kinds of things. And, and yeah, that's to, to identify that as relationship anarchy is really interesting. And I'm hoping that a lot of people can identify with these kinds of things. Cause if they're like relationship anarchy, that doesn't sound like anything I do. And maybe it's like, oh wait, well, yeah, right. I do have strong ties with people that aren't necessarily like a primary partner or something like that, right? And I think one of the, yeah, I, I guess what I would hope for folks who have that moment of, oh, maybe. Um, I mean, I think the thing that's so important is, or the shift that might happen if you give yourself room to think in these terms or around these principles, like I feel very committed to our friendship. And so checking in together and knowing when you're traveling and where you might be, I mean, those kinds of things are so important. If you're coming to town, you're my priority. And, you know, not in a way that would be disrespectful to any other tie, but everyone in my life knows if Chris comes to town, I'm seeing Chris. <laughs> Maybe you get to see Chris too, <laughs> but right. Chris is my priority. And um, not in a long-term hierarchical sense, but in a immediate time is limited um, yeah. kind of a way. And I just think I know some people who wouldn't do that, who would always feel responsible to only their immediate partner, their or romantic and sexual partner. And that's fine. They can choose that for their lives. Mm -hmm. And those aren't people that I count as folks I can rely on, right? Because I know that that's their hierarchy. I, and I don't know, maybe this is getting into territory that's unfair to talk about, but I just think there's an opportunity. Let me put it in the positive. There is an opportunity that if you are someone listening to this and wanting to think about, you know, in, in the last season, I, I posed a question that was something like, when you think about a loving, full life, what do you want in it? And if we focus on that, rather than thinking only of individual types of relationships and what we want from those individual relationships, we also have to work for it, right? If we want yeah. these beautiful long-term relationships where we can know each other across our lives and show deep care, long-term care the way we have, it does take a commitment and it takes care and intentionality and you know, paying attention to how the other person is feeling, all of these things that we've talked about. And it also, I mean, I'm even looking at the principle around heterosexism is rampant out there. Don't let fear lead you. I think there are other folks in our lives who, I mean, probably not many because we don't surround ourselves by people who wouldn't value friendship, but <laughs> there's certainly, you know, like my family members don't think to ask about Chris. They don't think to ask about you as one of the most important people in my life. 
And that's right. tricky. And so, of course, you have to decide, do you tell people, you need to ask me about Chris. <laughs> like, do I do that? <laughs> um, and some of the people in my life know to ask that when we're checking in. Um, yeah. They're like, how's Chris doing? Even if they've never met you, um, yeah. they know that you're so important to me. Um, yeah. And so it can be tricky. It can be hard to live, like lean into this kind of a structure. Um, and so figuring out the right way to do it for you obviously is important, but I love the way we've done it for sure. Yeah, me too. Well, I think that was a good first episode. Hopefully <laughs> you all out there in listening land thought so too. Um, if you have any reflections on friendship or want um, us to answer some questions about yeah, deep friendship and deep ties or anything like that, uh, reach out to us at Before You Swipe. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail.com. Or we have a Facebook messenger or a Insta messenger. Ta-ta for now. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats. <laughs>